Hello and welcome to the Mountain Conversations Marine Series, brought to you in collaboration with the Marine Conservation Society, the UK charity fighting for a cleaner, better protected and healthier ocean, one that we can all enjoy. The marine environment is a fascinating one, home to the smallest and largest of all living creatures. It's also a vital resource for all life on Earth. During each episode in this series, I'll be chatting with an expert from the marine world who will share their passion and knowledge with you, along with their insights on what we can all do to help our seas thrive in the future. This is a show about hope and positivity, and it's my hope that by learning something new in each episode about the work of amazing people who dedicate their lives to making a difference, you'll be inspired to take action and get involved in the efforts to preserve our beautiful home, planet Earth. I'm Charlie, and this is Mountain Conversations. Hello, and thank you for joining me again for another episode of the Marine Series, a collaboration with the Marine Conservation Society. Today, I'm talking to another ocean ambassador who is a wildlife TV presenter, biologist, author, and a diver. It is Miranda Krestovnikov. Hi, Miranda. Thanks so much for joining me today. A pleasure. It's great to be here. Brilliant. Well, should we, should we dive straight, straight in? And um, can I ask you what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, well, I wanted to just sort of share a few uh, ideas and personal experiences about engaging children with nature. It's a big passion of mine. I've got two now teenagers, can't quite believe that, but they're 13 and 16. Um, but right the way through their their lives, I've just wanted to try and immerse them in nature as much as possible. And wherever the opportunities have, have um, arisen um, to bring their friends in, sort of um, kids from school and stuff like that, and try and just spread the nature word as far and as wide as possible, really. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to talking about this because it's something that I'm completely passionate about as well. But first, as I do with all of my guests, can I ask you just to give us a little bit of sort of your history, I suppose. What was it that sparked your passion for nature? Obviously, you're really involved with the marine environment and the marine world. But was this something that was from childhood or was it a later in life discovery or what what was it? So the marine thing definitely came later. Um, but as a child, I was very lucky. We had a really nice big garden and we had really we had loads of really big mature trees in the garden. And I just my dad was amazing. He set up this um, like this big rope ladder up to a big fork in a big copper beech tree. And that was my little safe place. And I used to go up there and I remember doing my homework up there and my GCSE revision up there. And there was a squirrel's dray that I could see from that little safe place. And I used to watch the squirrels in the garden. I'm not a big fan of grey squirrels now, but I was back then and I just found it fascinating. So I would sit up there and just watch nature um, in my tree. And that's just how I remember my childhood, my teenage years. That's that's how they developed. And we also had an amazing um, beach woodland. I lived near, near Burnham Beaches um, in Buckinghamshire. And I used to spend many, many evenings just sort of walking barefoot in the woods. And that was really beautiful. Um, the connection with the marine environment came a lot later when I was at university and I just always wanted to scuba dive but we lived in landlocked Buckinghamshire and so the only times I'd ever go to the sea was when we'd go and visit grandparents in North Wales and but I always had this fascination with the ocean environment and then so I signed up for the, the scuba diving club at university and 
I just remember, you know, putting my head underwater for the first time and doing a proper dive. And mm-hmm. it's this whole world underwater that very few of us actually really get to experience. Um, you know, it's nothing like an aquarium. You know, when you when you swim in a seaweed garden um, in the UK, it is just beautiful and so alive with life and um, just a wonderfully dynamic environment. And so, yeah, even my first dive at sort of six meters, I was just absolutely transfixed with spider crabs and tiny little fish darting in and out of the seaweed. And, you know, nothing, I, you know, didn't need to see a whale shark or a coral reef or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's just really, really beautiful. So totally and utterly hooked with that. Um, and I'm lucky enough that my children have learned to dive now. My husband dives um, so we're a family of water babies. We love spending time in or on the water. We do lots of paddleboarding and stuff as well. So, yeah. So I just feel like life's always been full of nature, and I can't really imagine life without it. I can't imagine living in a place where I can't see a tree or, or a patch of grass or a bird. Um, and again, really lucky. My children have been. They've, they've grown up with that around them as well so we are I know I know how fortunate we are and I know how that good that's been for us over the last couple of years as well just with everything that's been going on how important nature's been for all of us mm-hmm. absolutely I think a lot of people have either reconnected or connected for the first time with nature I know I know I definitely reconnected as a kid I was always the kid we used to live we lived in Yorkshire again landlocked Yorkshire um and um well we were really far inland so you know you know when they say as far as the coast from the coast you can get that's where we were um (laughs) so so I was I was always the kid that was walking around with a bucket collecting stones and things and I'd always make my mum go out for a walk and I had a little baby doll pram and I used to just fill it with stones I never had a baby doll pram baby baby doll in it I just used to fill it with stones and interesting things um so I should have known that this is how I would end up (laughs) really and how my kids would end up which is brilliant um But should we lead straight into it then? Obviously, we're talking about kids. I'm talking about myself as a child. I think the wonder of children is something that is so precious when you're out in nature. I know when I drive when I drive around and my kids see a pheasant or, you know, a bird when we're driving around, they're so excited. And I absolutely love that. So how what can we do to sort of harness this this wonder and use it? Well, kids are inherently inquisitive and they're always asking questions. You know, what's this? What's that? And sometimes you just want to shut up and just mm-hmm. go, you know, we need to actually walk to the shops rather than keep stopping. And, yeah. But I think it is, it's it's making time. I think the, the, the fundamental problem is that we're all just so busy and we're looking at our phones while we're pushing our kids in a pram or we're just always in a rush and the kids want to stop and you know, and examine and ask questions. And we're always pulling them away, aren't we? And we say, well, we're in a hurry because we've got to be at football practice at 5.30. And so I think it's trying to build more time into our lives. And I say that as a really, really busy person and I'm always running around. (laughs) So that's why COVID was so wonderful. It was actually... uh, Lockdown was so wonderful. It was, you know, we had time to go and explore, didn't we? But I think... One of the things I tried to do a lot with the children was that we'd always try and walk everywhere. I think that's really important is instead of always bundling your children into a metal box and driving them to places is actually, if you can timetable, you know, an extra half an hour to get them to nursery in the morning by walking, because we connected so much with the landscape around us. And then we'd have little games that we'd play. And, the, you know, I remember the journeys to nursery started off being really, really difficult and a long, long way, but they became easier and easier as we found things and the kids would then say oh can we go you know a 
bit further up the road, we'd see that daffodil or that hole in the wall with a, you know, yeah. a spider web or something. Um, and, and so they're really, they were really engaged with the village that we live in and the wildlife that we'd see, um, you know, on a daily basis. And that's really, really helped. And I don't think they'll ever lose that now. We still drive around or walk around and see stuff that they remember from when they were really, really young. I think that's one thing that's really important when you've got young children is to try and, you know, sow those seeds really, really early on because whatever the kids do, I think, you know, those early memories will always, always stay with them. And we were very lucky. We had um, some amazing au pairs who, who sort of got on board with this and we'd sort of give them ideas and then they'd sort of run with it. And yeah. we had one amazing au pair who used to, she used to try and find where, I used to hide sweets. I used to get like sweets and hide them, you know, on the, on the way to uh, nursery to be picked up on the way home. Um, but she, she did a much better thing. She got little corks from like wine bottles and wrapped them in silver foil. Mm. And these are treasure. Uh, and she'd hide those instead. So instead, of, well, I would fill in the children with sugar, but she'd <laughs> something much more motivational and it would be treasure that you could find. But also um, trying to... Um, to answer the children's questions as much as possible, but not be afraid if you don't know the answer. So if the children picked up a leaf or a flower or a bug or something, and you don't know what it is, don't be afraid to say, oh, well, we can go home and have a look at that, take a picture of it, or even put it in a pot or something and bring it home and make that an activity. I just remember really vividly, again, when the children were really small, talking to a lady in my village, um, she was walking her kids in the park and I was sort of remarking on how lucky we were where we live and there's a big woodland and stuff like that. And she she made some sort of comment about that she was almost afraid to go up in the woods with her children because she didn't know enough about the wildlife there. And the kids were always asking questions about the trees and the leaves and stuff like that. And she didn't know the answers. Mm-hmm. And there was a genuine fear there that she couldn't provide the information that they were asking for. And I I remember being deeply affected by this conversation with this lady thinking how sad it is that she's almost avoiding taking her children up there. Mm. She doesn't want to feel like she doesn't know the answers to their questions. So I tried to flip the conversation around with her and I said, well, you know, this is brilliant because then you can, you know, bring the leaf home and then look it up, Google it, you know, just make it into an activity. And I think she sort of got, you know the reasoning eventually but I just I will never forget that conversation thinking how desperately sad it was that those kids would be missing out on an opportunity the, the mum sort of wanted to take them up there but but you know couldn't give them all the all the information and I sort of said well you know I'm meant to know loads about wildlife but the kids are always catching me out you know what's that bird oh I don't know Chris, yeah. a bird guide out so google it yeah <laughs> yeah so don't be afraid if you know, we don't, you know, none of us know all the names of all the birds and butterflies and wildflowers. And I'm still learning every day, you know, going out trying to learn more names. But, you know, don't let that be a barrier. Try and embrace that and learn yourself with your children. Um, And keep that the children's fascination going. Don't try and dampen that down too early, because when they get to teenagers, they won't be interested anyway. So, um, you know, try and keep that that endless fascination um alive as much as possible um so and engaging children in in as much that you can away from screens um you know I just have a big big problem with sticking screens in front of very very young children and I know again we're all really busy aren't we and and sometimes it's a way of just biding time or just Mm -hmm. (laughs) just shut up four o'clock in the morning is my is my time to give them a screen (laughs) you know and I'm not saying you know it's not bad and it's not wrong but 
you know, there are so many things that we can do with children that don't involve screens, so many interactive toys that we can give them. Um, and, you know, just trying to get them away from that as much as possible. And actually, can, can you throw them out in a garden or give them something more yeah. fun and tangible to play with? Um, mm-hmm. You know, my son got a Swiss Army knife at, I don't know, was he six or seven or something like that? You know, most people are like, oh, it's like, well, you know, I want him to be a, a scout. I want him to be whittling pieces of wood. So they've got to learn young. I'm not saying go out and buy your child a knife. By the way, <laughs> yeah, we're not advocating like, that. Don't just... <laughs> be, be afraid of these things. You know, people filling in ponds because they're afraid of water and children drowning. Actually, can we expose our children to these things in a safe way? So they've got awareness and knowledge rather than just saying, no, 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 you can't do this. Can't touch that. Mm-hmm. Can't have that experience, you know, build, get, get some resilience in there early on and get them to experience stuff rather than always stopping them. So, yeah, yeah I think that's a big thing, isn't it? I mean, I've had so many comments to me because my kids, you know, they're only five and nearly seven, but they'll, they'll, go walking for nine ten miles we've just moved from north wales and for the last year we 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 spent every single weekend or every single evening after school sort of walking either up a mountain around a mountain swimming in a lake and i'd put pictures online and stuff and i'd get people saying oh my god you're taking them up snowdon why are you doing that they're so tiny and i'm like well you see people with babies on their back walking up the mountains and stuff and the kids absolutely love it like maybe they can't get all the way up or maybe one day they'll be tired and they'll be cold and stuff but they absolutely love it and they still now we've moved to Norfolk significantly flatter but they still love going out after school every single day they ask to go to the beach after school and I am as as you said just just now I am quite guilty sometimes of doing the no sorry we're too busy we've got we've got too much to do I've got work to do and I do often I I have to stop myself and say no 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 right okay we can take an hour or half an hour just to you know walk barefoot on the sand and my kids are absolutely obsessed at the minute we're finding they call them beach treasures which is I love that but it's just beach combing um yeah. They go along. They've they've recently discovered the sea gooseberries. Um the the George calls them predatory blobs, because that's how I kind of <laughs> described them. Um, because obviously when they're sat on the sea, they just look like blob they're sat on the sand, they just look like blobs of jelly. But I showed him a video of them sort of all bioluminescent with their tentacles out in the water, and he absolutely loved it. So again, it's just that sort of seeing something and using the technology and stuff to our advantage to to learn and to I always say it and I I feel I feel like people are going to say stop saying that phrase but embracing curiosity is Mm. is just such a key so my next thing that I want to sort of touch on is we're I think our kids are kind of they've been exposed to it from a young age and I think that's wonderful and I know a lot of people in the same situation but last weekend I did um an event with um uh, I was doing a science engagement event with Incredible Oceans at it was a festival on the beach in Lower Stuff and I was stood with an orca skull and and I was the one that was sort of enticing people in with like what do you think it could be what do you think it is you know like getting kids to guess getting adults to guess and it was brilliant and for the most part people really engaged with it but there was a lot of people I noticed that were either just dragging their kids past and saying no no we're not stopping there we're not stopping there we're either going to the the beer tent or to the music stage and stuff and the kids were like oh I really want to see what that is and there was a lot of people that stopped and when I was asking the kids I'd engage the adults and stuff and I'd say oh what do you think it is 
and they just attack with some kind of defensive, oh, I don't know, a tiger or a dinosaur, you know, and it was this really defensive, almost trying to put me down because they weren't sure and they were I I feel like we were discussing is that afterwards actually I feel like it was almost the embarrassment of not knowing and not being able to tell their kids what it was and I was you know trying to reassure them that it's fine not many people can recognize the orca skull (laughs) on the middle of a beach in lower stuff you know it's a difficult thing to recognize but I think that 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 again touching on what you said before I think it's the fear of the unknown and of not of almost not being able to tell your kids I think as a parent you feel like you should know everything and you should be able to teach your kids everything but we can't and that's and that's fine so what would you what do you think we can do about say kids who necessarily not haven't necessarily been exposed to nature from sort of day dot mm. yeah difficult difficult one I mean what I'm very encouraged by is that there's a lot of stuff in the curriculum uh, especially at primary school that involves wildlife and nature um I don't know if again my kids have been quite spoiled but certainly when I used to go into primary school I was it, I was actually always blown away by the knowledge that the children really had they, mm-hmm. I, I'd go in and talk about birds you know we do like the big schools bird watch for the RSPB and the kids are like oh I don't know anything about birds oh I hate birds every boy so I'd always start off by by showing them pictures of birds that you know common garden birds that they actually knew yeah. and so we go through you know robin magpie blue tit great tit things like that then a couple maybe they weren't sure about but i said but like a lot of bird species um are really obvious like this one's this one creeps up trees it's a tree creeper you know uh and and this one's got a cross bill cross bill so it's a cross bill so um and actually show them that they know more than they think they know and then you sort of build it's right okay we've done 10 bird species now so you guys you do know all about birds and then somebody put their hand up a store you know we had this bird hovering in the garden that's like you know and somebody said oh yeah no that'll be a kestrel then and actually really making them realize they they probably are a lot more knowledgeable than they think they are um and making it making it sort of feel comfortable that it's okay to learn about birds in that environment as well rather than feeling that they don't know anything and therefore the the doors are shut so um and there's say there's going back to the curriculum there is a lot at school that's on offer there's a lot of discussion about plastics in the ocean there's a lot of engagement with local wildlife and communities and things like that so I'm sort of encouraged by a lot of that and then the children do take quite a lot of that home I mean not every child's going to but I know that you know a lot of the messaging that adults get comes from what children learn at school you know are we recycling enough do we really need to do that you know can we watch the birds in our garden so I sort of feel that we are sort of on the right track. Um, it's we're never going to reach every child or every parent, but I do feel that that there's more and more in the curriculum that's encouraging. And I, I'm very excited that there's going to be a GCSE in natural history in a couple of years' time. I know I would love to do that. <laughs> I, the, my biggest sadness is that my son is just going to miss out oh, no. uh, on that. He's just a year too too old. But there we go. It's one of those things. Um, but yeah, and you know, you only need one good teacher, at, well, not one, one teacher that's engaged with wildlife at a school as well to sort of suggest little field trips and things like that. So uh, I think I think there is there is gentle encouragement out there. Um, mm-hmm. Say it's very hard to reach everybody, but little by little, I think we get there. Um, and I just it's finding ways of sort of bringing people in who've who've never experienced wildlife so um I know when we've got 
the kids have got friends who maybe so we, we've got some kestrels in a kestrel box uh which we ring every year right. so a guy from the bto comes in and rings them and every year we try and invite kids who maybe never seen a bird close up never held a bird um yeah. to come in and and you know even if they don't want to actually do the ringing just watch that going on um so that's quite important i think if you've got uh the knowledge and the experience if there's any way you can bring other kids in who maybe haven't got that um you know i love going into school and talking about stuff and, and bringing bringing stuff in so you know if you if your kids have brought stuff off the beach you know can they go into their school and share some of their beach combing stories with you know with the rest of the school um you know stuff they found little fascinating treasures and stuff actually going back to the kestrels one of the children who came this year didn't want to hold the birds and was very um she was sort of very much in the background just watching but I got a lovely message from her mum a week later and she'd gone into school and talked about the kestrels and shown photos mm. she got a special certificate from school and now her class is called kestrel class because oh. of this sort of engagement and she shared it all with the with the whole class the whole procedure of the ringing and the kestrels and I thought it was lovely because I thought she wasn't gaining much because she didn't get hands-on and actually hold the bird but actually she was just watching from a distance in her own sort of safe time and space um but actually had a really profound effect on her that experience and then she went and shared it with the whole of her class at school so that's cool so sometimes it's not those immediate interactions that you really that actually it's something a bit further down the line that you know again back to seeds that you might have sown earlier on that have little ripples and repercussions further down the line that you may never hear about I think that's a a big thing with kids I mean I know my my six-year-old always looks like he just doesn't care he's just like always his eyes are wandering off and you look you think but now I know that he is actually listening and and the other day I mean he's a he's an enjoy nature from a from a distance kind of guy he absolutely loves it and he's fascinated by it but he's not uh he's not going to be one of these like hands-on with nature kind of people whereas his brother is like straight in there um but he's always wanted to see a snake <laughs> and the other day um we were walking in our local um I suppose it's like a heathland just five minutes from the house and he was walking ahead just doing his own thing and this adder shot out of the bush across the path and the noise that came out of this child I swear the whole town probably heard him and he was shaking because he was like oh my god you know because I think it's because it was it happened so fast we managed to stop and take a picture of it and things but afterwards he phoned his grandma, he phoned his dad, and he was he was telling everyone all about it. He identified that it was a female because he'd read in a book that it was, you know, about the difference between males and females. And I'd thought in the first instance, he was like, oh, God, that was awful. But actually what he took from it was, wasn't that amazing? Mm. So I love that. I love that, you know, the, the difference in them. One of them was like trying to get close to it. And I'm like, no, get back. <laughs> it's an adder leave it alone and the other one was just like as far away as he could possibly be but absolutely loved it and he's the same in a lot of situations he's very much sort of step back from a distance yeah but saying that the other this morning I was trying to you know when you're trying to get them out the door put your shoes on um for school I found them both on the floor um by the door sort of staring at the floor and I was like oh god what have they found now and it was a daddy long legs and they were both so sort of engrossed watching this daddy long legs I didn't want we were a bit late for school because I didn't want to move them away and be like stop looking at that we need to get out the door again I think it's important to just take the time and let them be curious I think I love the fact that you said we were a bit late for school because if you saw a daddy long legs you know I just think that's 
what we need to remember, just remind ourselves, actually, does it matter if you're five minutes late for school? Because the kids had a really interesting experience with wildlife. You know, mm-hmm. I just think that's, you know, that for me gets life into perspective a little bit more. Yeah. You know, okay, you don't want to be late for a business meeting, but school really. And yeah. I'm sure if you told the, the school teacher, you know, what had happened. Um, I remember being late for nursery once um, and as we sort of got in and, and the kids were really, really tiny. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm sorry, we're late. And Oliver just went, daddy, dear, daddy, dear. And the, the, the nursery worker was like, what, what's this about a deer? It's like, oh, well, actually, we had a deer in the garden in the morning. And that's why we're late is because we had to get it out of the garden and we had to chase it around the garden. Then it wouldn't find the <laughs> exit. And daddy actually managed to pounce on the deer and oh, to give it a headlock and chuck it out the gate. So that's why we relate for nursery. Brilliant story. Kids have never forgotten it. I mean, yeah. you know, Oliver was about two or something, you know, and it was just, he will never forget daddy dear. So, yeah. you know, just, just, yeah, stop and stop running around and, 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 you know, watch, yeah, a spider or a woodlouse or something like that. You know, don't pull the kids away from it. It's fascinating and they want to learn about it. Yeah. And this is this, I think this is why it upset me when I was, again, like I said, working at that festival and there was people, kids who actually wanted to come in and explore the tent. We had all sorts of, you know, weird ocean creatures. And one of my colleagues was dressed as a pirate with sparkly trousers on. And he was, you know, telling people about bioluminescence and things. And it was, it was brilliant, but it was so sad that parents would say, no, no, we're not stopping there. We're not stopping there. And that, that really made me sad that they were sort of pulling the kids away and sort of squashing that curiosity almost and I think there is a danger if you if you do that too much then the curiosity vanishes and disappears and I think a lot of us are guilty of that I know I was guilty of that for quite a long time and then I you know I found myself in a situation where my mental health was quite quite low and whatnot after a you know a series of stressful events and then I found that it was connecting reconnecting with nature that pulled me out of that and now I'm just obsessed to the point where my mum hates going for a walk with me now because she says I'm a nightmare because I stop every 10 steps to look at a bird or or a leaf or so my mum loves nature and stuff but she just she likes to walk if we go for a walk she likes to actually keep going whereas I'm stopping you know to, to look at things and I think that's what the kids have taken as well um but can we move slightly into obviously this is the marine series can we move more into sort of your work and your role as an ocean ambassador for the marine conservation society does does any of that sort of incorporate this this passion for engaging children with nature? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just I think it's if you live far away from the sea, though, it's even more difficult. You know, it's, it's easy to, to sort of tell kids to look out of the, you know, the kitchen window and see a bird or a tree or whatever. But I think if you don't live close to the sea it is very very hard to engage kids with the sea apart from if you know a lot of us do go on holiday to the beach so that's that's the opportunity um but but um I'm very passionate about finding ways of getting kids to stick their heads underwater so I love the fact that you know kids can learn to scuba dive you know before they're teenagers so at you know eight years old you can actually learn to scuba dive only to two meters but at least it's possible so trying to encourage things like that you know there's amazing project project this summer uh, down in Cornwall where they're taking 400 secondary school kids and teaching them how to scuba dive and these are going to be the marine ambassadors of the future you know things like that I really want to get behind projects 
projects like that. And I wish that there was more. Um, so I suppose a lot of the work I do is just just talking to people about it. I do lots, lots of talks and community engage, engagement things and schools works and writing books and things like that. Just trying to tell people how amazing this marine environment is. And it's not just the one that we see in the Mediterranean when we go on holiday. Um, it's actually what we can see around our coastline. We have magical, magical wildlife. You know, we have seals and whales and dolphins and all sorts um, and just trying to find ways of, of making those sorts of connections which aren't easy as I said but you know um, whether it's through reading books or um, just you know trying to arrange trips and, and you know get kids more more involved with the marine environment but and also getting my my own children using them as, as a, an amazing yeah. tool so my as my son's just learned to scuba dive and um, you know we're going to do lots of diving in the UK over the summer and trying to get him to write blogs or talk to his friends about it or just find ways of getting that that message out saying how accessible it is it's not something that's really difficult to do um, and yeah and and MCS have been amazing you know they're an amazing organization and this they've got so many great ideas and um, just getting behind a lot of their uh, uh, initiatives and projects and things like that. Um, very, very important. Yeah, no, absolutely. My kids are, un- unfortunately, they lost sort of two years of time in the swimming pool where I would have been sort of teaching them to swim. And now we've moved, I've finally, finally sort of getting them back into a swimming pool so we can learn to swim finally. They're starting lessons soon. Um, but I'd love them to be able to get to the stage because they see me uh, swimming in the sea all the time. I've got a friend that snorkels around the Norfolk coast all the time and the pictures she comes back with her, she's a marine biologist, but the pictures she comes back with are amazing. And I know for a fact they want to engage with that and they'd love to have the opportunity. So they're so determined to learn to swim because they know once that once they learn to swim, it sort of opens up a whole new, literally a whole new world to them and yeah. they're so excited by that um but I think for now while while they're not swimming you know they're so excited by as I say hunting for beach treasures we saw a, a moon jellyfish on the beach the other day and they were so excited because they've never seen one on the east coast we saw loads in back in Wales um but they've never seen one over here so that was really exciting I wasn't as excited because I just got out of the sea and I didn't realize there were jellyfish in the area so I was like oh god <laughs> moon jellies are fine but yeah just doing simple things like that with beachcomb I mean honestly it's the you could spend all day beachcomb couldn't you we've done lots of that with our children and and so when people are going on holiday and thinking about what activities do I need to do you don't need to go to a local theme park or anything like that just get a bucket and a spade and just go for a walk along the beach I love it as an adult so you know I just you never tire of that sort of thing so it's also just I think appreciating the simple things in life as well mm-hmm. actually yeah a beach is a is a massive great big playground for for grown-ups and children alike you don't need any more than that at all so just you know appreciating the the sort of the beauty and the simplicity of nature and what it, what it gives us no, exactly and there's such such benefits that you know humans like to benefit from things but you know I think if we realize the benefits we can have from engaging with nature you know just a simple for me I know that just a simple walk before I pick the kids up from school can really sort of take away any of the stress that I felt at work and sort of really get me prepared for you know picking the kids up from school I know it's going to be wild and things but it really just it grounds me I'm a, I'm a barefoot walker everyone thinks I'm weird loads of people yeah I, I get that <laughs> good I'm glad but yeah I do get asked a lot if I'm okay when I'm out walking I'm like yes I'm fine honestly but I really help I think that that as well 
takes my takes my mind away from anything else I can't stare at my phone I can't do anything else because I have to focus on where I'm walking and it really sort of literally grounds you doesn't it by you know having that direct connection with the earth and I think even simple things like that just getting your kids out taking your shoes off on the beach and walking on the sand you have Mm. such a different experience than you do if you're walking in boots on the beach or or whatever I just I think I think as you say it's just embracing the simplicity yeah yeah when when life is so busy and so complicated and so stressful it's peeling back those layers and getting right back down to basics and just say yeah here we are here's a beach or here's a woodland here's a park or whatever let's just go and explore it yes yeah again you know sort of going back to you know if people don't know enough about it they don't know how to turn that into an activity but um I don't know we've 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 never struggled to to have fun on a you know in a, in a woodland or a beach there's always something to see isn't there there's some something you can find some something new that you haven't seen before so. absolutely and I actually used to be quite not I suppose almost not embarrassed but because I think a lot of people who I encounter on a day-to-day think I'm a bit odd because I'm always looking at a bird or I'm always you know I'm always looking at something on a rock or something you know I always used to feel a bit oh oh god I'm, I'm gonna keep that bit quiet but now I'm, I actually don't anymore and if the the parents kind of know me now and they know that but and they actually they ask what what are you looking at today what bird are you looking at today and I'll be like oh there's a house martin nesting up there and actually people go oh really oh I thought that was a swift or yeah, and I say oh no it's a house martin because xyz and they go oh that's amazing and actually people do want to know and people do want to learn they just don't necessarily know how and I think by just communicating that mm. it's got such potential definitely definitely I was walking the dogs just yesterday uh, behind the house there's a big hill and there was a guy who sort of stopped on the hill and was looking and I I noticed that we've just our kestrels had just fledged so I was watching the kestrels I went up to him and I said, oh, are you watching the kestrels? And he went, I didn't know there were any kestrels. He said, I was just looking at beautiful scenery. Mm. And he went, and where are the kestrels then? So you're absolutely right. People do want to know. They just don't know. Yeah. But and if we don't share our sort of knowledge and experience with them, how are they going to find out? He's not going to, you know, stand there with his phone going, oh, what can I see in this area? Um, so, you know, I just even just one person knows a bit more about the kestrels in the area. I think that's quite interesting because he might go home and chat to his family and say, gosh, did you know we have kestrels? And then he might Google what a kestrel looks like and what their call sounds like and might become more engaged with them. So we just let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's share it as much as possible. And it's not t- teaching people. It's just sharing our, you know, our enthusiasm and our passion um, and and sort of trying to draw other people into loving it as much as we do really well, I think I, I love that I, I was in um Blakeney walking the other day and I love when people other people share their passion and you know there was a, there was a an, a guy walking along um older gentleman and he had his binoculars and things so you know he was he was there to do some birding um as was I but he he suddenly stopped and went look a warbler and it was a reed warbler that was sort of sat really far away and he shared his binoculars with me and we had that moment of just we didn't really say anything to each other apart from oh isn't that amazing but it was such a nice moment to sort of connect as humans I spend a lot of time on my own I work from home um single parent so I am on my own a lot so when you just go out and have that simple connection over something in nature it can really make your day (laughs) and it did absolutely yeah um so to finish I always ask my guests sort of it's really cliche but what can people do to just 
not necessarily make a huge difference on the entire world, but make a difference on sort of the world around them, their world, you know, things that they encounter every day. What should we be doing to sort of get our kids involved? One, if you if you could go go into school and say one thing to the parents in the playground, what would it be? <laughs> oh, really difficult because there are you are so many things. I think little things really make a difference, and you feel almost like it's a token oh, I'm not really making a difference when I'm putting my plastic bottle in the recycling but you know if enough people do enough little things we do make a difference so I think for me the most interesting and engaging thing that we've done with with nature in our garden is have bird feeders up I mean you know I think in the winter you know it's wonderful because we, we I feel like we're really giving them Mars bars every day to get through mm-hmm. you know these chilly days and I just right now we've just got loads of fledglings in the garden there's some really scruffy looking robins there's some really um inexperienced looking woodpeckers we've got one that's absolutely glued to our our fat balls at the moment so it just spends the entire day just pecking away at the fat balls and I just think wow that's that's really amazing um so if you've got a garden I just think putting food out for the birds is just a really lovely thing because you will learn so much about birds in your garden and every year we see something different we haven't seen the bullfinches for many years but we had the male and female bullfinch feeding off the same feeder side by side and it's like oh they are still around we just haven't seen them and um you know we've seen a pool of feathers underneath and obviously the sparrowhawks beam so we know this we didn't see the sparrowhawk but we know that it's there so it's just it's right outside the kitchen window we see it every day we come down for breakfast in the morning and actually I stop putting the radio on in the mornings it's the news is so depressing I sometimes just take five minutes just to watch the bird feeders and just see what's going on and sort of clock what's in the garden and it's that lovely regularity it's that lovely little routine that we have every day it's just check what's out there uh what are the changes um you know daily monthly yearly um, and it's a really great way of engaging children because there's always something to see you know there's all, there'll always be a bird even if it's a blackbird or a pigeon or something there'll always be something there so I think that's the one thing and when when we've gone into schools and put bird feeders in schools and the kids get involved in filling up the bird feeders and they have a rotor and as long as you can see it from the classroom window and you make it attractive and cat proof and all that sort of thing um, I think that's the one thing that we found that's that's been the most engaging um and if kids are interested in birds then you know they will be inherently interested in what else is going on as well you know what's affecting the birds why have we got fewer birds this week you know are there more berries out you know and different seasons seasonal changes and things like that so i would say that's the one thing um a tiny thing but something that can make a real difference so Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think um, one of the uh, conversation I had on a previous podcast with um, Hamza Yassin, and he described birds as a gateway to nature. Absolutely. And I absolutely love that. And I've taken that that sort of that phrase on because it's so right. They're just there. I mean, I'm currently looking out my window and I've got resident wood pigeons that come and knock the bird table over every day and just eat what's ever on the floor and stuff. And they're they're brilliant. I absolutely love watching them. Sparks that curiosity and it it creates a chain, isn't it? It's a you start it starts with the wood pigeon and then it ends with learning to scuba dive because you want to see what's in another world and absolutely yeah brilliant all right then well thank you so much Miranda for having this chat with me it's been lovely and I I think hopefully hopefully people will take from it some simple ideas that they can do to sort of get themselves and their kids involved with nature absolutely yeah lovely to talk to you thanks ever so much thank you very much thanks
Since becoming a parent myself seven years ago now, I have been determined to engage my kids with the natural world. I've always encouraged jumping in muddy puddles, getting wet at the beach in rock pools, being still in a woodland to just take in the sounds around us. I know that not everyone has had this experience though, and in some cases people just don't know how to engage with nature. As Miranda said, it can be quite nerve-wracking to explore the unknown, but sometimes it's just a case of taking simple steps, like getting outside and looking around. We have a lot of technology at our fingertips now, with apps, search engines, all kinds of accessible learning resources that are there for us to use. We are all on this journey together, and even the most experienced expert naturalists are always learning. That's the beauty of our ever-changing earth. Once again, I want to ask you to embrace your curiosity. Take a leap into the unknown. I'm going to end with a quote from Sir David Attenborough. An understanding of the natural world and what's in it is a source not only of great curiosity, but great fulfilment. I'm Charlie, and this has been Mountain Conversations.